Um, if you have God's word, I want to invite you to turn to Second Timothy chapter four. And we're going to Second Timothy chapter four. We're going to be looking at verse seven in just a little bit. But before we get there, um, I, I want us to imagine that we're trying to describe to somebody the Apostle Paul. Can you do that with me? Um, let's imagine that we're trying to describe to somebody the Apostle Paul, somebody that's never read the Bible before, somebody that's never been through the scriptures. And thank you for that highlight on how important the scriptures are. There is somebody that's never read the scriptures. You've described to them at this point in this story narrative that you're imagining. You've described to them, you know, Jesus, the Savior, and that he is the Savior of mankind and that he is God that has become flesh. So you've described that, but now you're shifting and you're wanting to describe to them the Apostle Paul. And there's no question in my mind that you describe him I mean, the Paul, the apostle, you describe him as the great interpreter of Jesus mission. I mean, yes, Jesus is our savior for all mankind, but it's Paul that gets down in the dirt and the water. He really gets down with humanity to deliver the mission of Christ. And what's exciting is when you read what Paul writes, no matter how many times you've read the apostle, it always comes to you in a fresh new way. The message is always fresh and new. I mean, there's something about it. You see, it's Paul that gives us doctrine. It's Paul that gives us the foundation for teaching. And as we read his work, he becomes this powerful witness for Christ. And maybe the question is, was Paul always under the influence of divine inspiration? I mean, you think about the inerrant, inspired word of God. And that's important if we think about theology. But was he always under divine inspiration? Well, we know that he was human. He's not the Savior, not the Messiah. He is human, like you and I. And so we would say that I, I think that Paul uh, recognizes his humanity. In fact, we see it in Scripture in Second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 and 10. There's a phrase there. He says, you know, after kind of wearing one hat as far as divine inspiration, then he shifts and he says, now this is my advice. This is my advice. So he kind of trades hats. And then in another place in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, there in around verses uh, 10 through 12, he's talking about the commandment of the Lord. And he writes, the Lord gives that command. This is Paul now. He's shifting hats again. The Lord gives that command. But the rest, he says, he's writing, but the rest is from me. So Paul's humanity and fallibility was obvious, right? We see that. And even in history, as, as the redactors, of course, touch scripture and, and then there's the divine inspiration, even in that process. So we have the word as we have it today when we say, okay, this is the scripture. It, it, this is, this is divine. And then Paul certainly gets the point across, even in his humanity. He gets the point across, God speaking through him, using him, and he brings us this message that is rich and diverse and he gives us a solid document and then couched within all that there's so many powerful messages so so no paul was not always inspired he's human just like you and i this morning but for us he does leave some inspiring messages and the first one that we should be reminded of i think in this series that we're starting this morning because we're we are starting a new series and we're talking about living on inspiration. And the first one that he gives us that's so inspiring is he reminds us, listen to this, he reminds us it's his fight. I mean, this life, this life thing, and I don't know what your life is about. I don't know what you're going through right now. 
I don't know how dark it is or how light it is, but this thing that is called life, it's his fight. It's his fight. I mean, that, that, that God is for us and, and he does so well. Paul, the apostle, reminding us of this fact. And note, this is one of Paul's last epistles before he was killed. So when we read this, you know, when we keep the story of, of Paul's life in mind and we think of uh, all the challenges that he went through and all the persecution that he faced. Maybe this is, you know, as we read it, this part of the scripture, inspiring and even emotional as we think of what Paul did and the price that he paid so that we would have the word this morning. Now, imagine here, or use the imagery as we look at the, the, the passage in just a moment. Um, as we look at it, um, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. In fact, let's go to the passage right now. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, looking at verse 7. He's writing like this. He says, I have fought the good fight. <laughs> I have fought the good fight. Again, reminding us, it's his fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. Now note, again, this was the last he writes before he, he, he goes to be with Jesus. But, you know, reading the story um, with his life in mind, and what he experienced, it, it, it's impactful. And some of the imagery is fighting the good fight. And I imagine him doing that. And he does so really on a physical plane. You know, not only on a spiritual plane. And certainly there was the spiritual battles that Paul faced. But also the physical challenges when he's fighting the good fight. My, uh, my dad uh, was a boxer. He was in the Navy. And he was, uh, he was on the Golden Glove level of boxing. So boxing was a big deal for my father. And... Uh, my dad bought a set of boxing gloves and he put the boxing gloves on my brother and I and he wanted to teach us how to box, how to defend ourselves. And, you know, that sounds like fun and games, but let me share this with you. I was six. And my brother was 12. <laughs> he had 50 pounds on me. OK. And then when I was 12 and I'm a pipsqueak anyhow. And then when I was 12, he was 18. And so literally, I remember times, I'm not making this up, I literally remember times my brother knocked me out. And my dad would wake me up, get back in there, boy. And, uh, and so dad was really big on, you know, trying to, you know, learn how to defend ourselves and, and not, you know, fight, fighting or violence, but, but, you know, in kind of a sporting way. Of how to really, you know, have a good fight. And, and, and of course, I'm referring to this phrase here, you know, the good fight. And, and for Paul, it was much more than this. Yes, somewhat in a physical level, when we think about the incredible series of dangers and indignities that he faced. But it wasn't that out of the ordinary, because this was the first century. And the fact is, we need to remember that in the first century, as people put their life on the line for the sake of the gospel... There was no vacation in sight. <laughs> there was no retirement. There were, there were no worldly pleasures of release or rescue. You know, the police weren't coming to save them as they're putting their life on the line. Because, you see, to be a believer in the first century was to take your life in your own hands or really to put your life in the hands of God. And so for the first century to be a believer, Christians expected suffering. They expected suffering. And to be put in the shoes of Christ and, and imitate his sacrificial martyrdom would be the highest of honor in, in some ways. In fact, we look at First Peter. If you have God's word, let's turn there. Go to First Peter uh, chapter 4. Let's turn there real quick. First Peter chapter 4. 
And looking at verse 16, he writes there, the last part there, he says, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear the name. Because you see, suffering was, was part, probably going to be part of the experience being a believer in that, that first century. And this puts into perspective the magnitude of the gospel to the Romans. And really the magnitude of the transformation of an evil, abusive, and oppressive empire into spiritual freedom. This, this reminds me of a book that I, I read during my graduate studies. And the title of the book was, Like They Couldn't Stop Praising the Lord. That's the title. Like They Couldn't Stop Praising the Lord, which is a story of in the exegesis of black Christianity and specifically early black congregations in America. And certainly this was in an abusive and shameful history that we refer to when we think about slavery. But the religion, the author's writing, but the religion that the plantation owners embraced, what was essentially was a, a, a religion or a Jesus of the white man. Yet, the author writes, yet those ones that were owned and abused found something in this white man's religion. They fell in love with the God of the scriptures. (laughs) In the midst of their oppression, in the midst of the the shameful abusiveness and all that, they, they were falling in love with the God of the scriptures. And in spite of how people misapplied the scripture to justify subjugation, they learned of a God who despised oppression and, and they were delivered. He was the deliverer of the downtrodden. He was a God that was one that was freeing the oppressed. He was the one that was setting the captive free. This is the God that they fell in love with. This is the God that broke their chains. This is the God that gave them hope that was everlasting hope. Like they couldn't stop praising the Lord. What an appropriate title for that book and that history. Because God is the freer of the oppressed. This is what I believe. This is what the scripture teaches us. Amen. This is how one can see how Christianity survived 300 years of hostility to emerge as the dominant force in the Roman Empire out of that first century. And thinking about, again, the abusiveness and the the suffering and the oppression of that first century, you know, what you had to go through to be a Christian. This makes sense when we look at Paul as he writes in Romans chapter 8 and verse 37 when he says it this way. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors for those that are in Christ Jesus. We're more than conquerors. And I don't know what you're facing right now and what you're going through in life. But, and I, I don't know, maybe it's, it's something that it, it's physical or maybe it's emotional in a relationship. And, and you're saying, man, how long is this going to last? But you see, we need to be reminded of the power of God that in Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors. And church, I think we forget that. I think sometimes we forget about how, about how powerful God is. As we were singing in our very last chorus that he will fight for you. He fights your battles. I love this story. I have to share it with you. It's a story told of, by a missionary, his own experience. A missionary on furlough told the story while visiting his home church in Michigan. And uh, that kind of hits home for me. I pastored a congregation in Florida that was probably 80%. Uh, people that were from Michigan, they were snowbirds, and some people then would move to Florida permanently, but I, a lot of people from Michigan. And so this, this missionary on Fertile tells this story, and now he's talking here. He says, while serving at a small field hospital in Africa, every two weeks I traveled by bicycle through the jungle to a nearby city for supplies. 
This was a journey of two days and required camping overnight at the halfway point. On one of these journeys, I arrived in the city where I planned to collect money from a bank, purchase medicine and supplies, and then begin my two-day journey back to the field hospital. Upon arrival in the city, I observed two men fighting, one of whom I had, had been seriously injured. I treated him for his injuries, and at the same time, I, I told him about the Lord. I then traveled two days, camping overnight, and arrived home without incident. Two weeks later, I repeated my journey. Upon arriving in the city, I was approached by the young man I had treated. He told me that he had known I carried money and medicines. He said, some friends and I followed you into the jungle, knowing you would camp overnight. We planned to kill you and take your money and drugs. But just as we were about to move into your camp, we saw that you were surrounded by 26 armed guards. At this, I laughed and said that I was certainly all alone in the jungle at the campsite there. The young man pressed the point, however, and said, no, sir, I was not the only person to see the guards. My five friends also saw them, and we all counted them. It was because of those guards that we were afraid, and we left you alone. At this point in the sermon, one of the men in the congregation jumped up to his feet and interrupted the missionary and asked if he could tell him the exact day this happened. The missionary told the congregation the date, and the man who interrupted told him this story. He said, on the night of your incident in Africa, it was morning here and I was preparing to go play golf. I was about to putt when I felt the urge to pray for you. In fact, the urging of the Lord was so strong, I called men in this church to meet with me here in the sanctuary to pray for you. Would all those men who met me, met with me on that day stand up? The men who had met together to pray that day stood up. The missionary wasn't concerned with who they were. He was too busy counting how many men he saw. There were 26 men that had gathered to pray. And folks, I think we forget. This is his fight. This is his fight. This is his battle that we're we're going through as we are learning how to live our life as believers and as Christians. And I don't know how dark the valley is that you're you're going through. And I don't know, maybe it's a tumor that you have in your chest or maybe it's a marriage that's on the brink of disaster. But man, I don't know about you, but man, I've just been feeling the Holy Spirit pressing in upon me. And that somebody here today needs to experience victory in Jesus Christ. And I don't know what it is that you're wrestling with, but I know this, that it is his fight. It is his battle. And he will fight for you. No matter what it is that you go through, it might be fear. And you've been walking through a time of fear. And maybe it's financial fear. Or or maybe it's fear in regards to, you know, relationship or whatever it is. But, you know, the fact is he will fight for you. He will fight for you if maybe you're, you're a victim of injustice. Listen, here's the good news. God will fight for you. Amen. And maybe quite possibly it is a giant obstacle you have in your life right now. And you've not faced this kind of obstacle before. But you see, the promise is here as we're reminded of the power of God that God will fight for you. Even if that obstacle is giant in your life. And maybe it's a child that you have and you've brought them to church and now they're no longer in church and they're just completely off track and off course and you've been praying and you've been bleeding over that child. Hallelujah. You're not by yourself. God is with you. He will fight for you. He will fight for that child. 
He will fight for you. Maybe possibly it's, it's hurt that you've been through. You've been through some kind of hurt and you're wondering if God is there. He is there. He will fight for you. Maybe it's just troubled waters that you're going through right now. He will fight for you. And I'm wondering if we really believe this this morning. I'm really, I'm wondering that today as I was building this message and listening to the Lord, I thought to myself, well, how do I want to end this, Lord? How should I end it? And I really could not get a clear answer from God of how this should be concluded today. And maybe that's because the Lord is wanting to bring conclusion in your life. He's wanting to do something in your heart. And maybe the conclusion of this this morning, it's your part. What you're going to do about saying, Father in heaven, I know that you want to fight for me. I know that you want to help me. And I want to invite you to allow God to do that this morning. To say, Lord, I believe that. I, I believe that you want to fight for me. I believe that you want to fight for that child. I believe that you want to fight for that health or whatever it might be. I believe that God wants to do something in your life this morning. I want to invite us to stand. We haven't done this for a while, but I, I want to invite us to stand. And, and are going to, we're going to have a worship team come, but we're going to open the altars this morning. Because if we believe this and we say, yes, Lord, I know that you want to fight for me. I want to invite you to say, Father in heaven. Lord, I'm just going to trust you with this. I want, to, I want to put this in front of you. I want to lay it before you right now because, Lord, this is your battle. This is your battle. As we were singing that last chorus before I stood up here, we were singing about the fact that God, he's there, he's present, that he's fighting for us. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know this. I know that God loves you. I know that he wants to take it upon his shoulders. He wants to lift you and he wants to give you rest today. And I want to invite you to to bring that to the altar this morning. Let's open up the altars. I'm not going to stipulate what's going to happen or who's going to pray or who's going to kneel. But I want to invite just I want to open these altars up. Do you believe that God will fight for you? Do you believe that? Is there something in your life and maybe it's, it's been distant and now it's just being brought to the surface in your mind? I want to invite you to come and just kneel at the altar and say, Lord, I'm, I'm embracing this today. This is your message. It's not Tony's message. It's, it's God's message that he wants to fight for us. He's in the midst of the battle. So as we just begin to worship, would you come and say, Lord, I'm going to give the battle to you. I'm going to trust you with it. Let's do that right now. As they begin to lead us in worship, won't you come and kneel and say, Lord, I want to give you my battle today. I want to trust you, Father. I'm going to bring this family member to you. I'm going to bring this issue to you. I'm going to bring my heart to you. And I'm going to say, Lord, I believe this. You fight for us. You're here for us. Won't you come? Just come and just kneel. Bring it to Jesus right now and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you this morning. I want you to fight for me, Father in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.